Cannon Fodder is brought to you by Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Hello and welcome to Cannon Fodder. Today is Thursday, the 23rd of May, 2019. It's just after 10 a.m. as uh, Brian Hedger, our Blue Jackets beat writer, and I, Michael A. Race, record this with our producer, Patrick Flaherty, the podfather. And we've got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to try and make this lawnmower length, but it might be a big lawn today. We'll have to start out with the latest, which is uh, John Davidson was introduced in New York yesterday as the new president of the Rangers to uh, bring some sanity to what is a disjointed operation. Even Glenn Sather, who's stepping down, couldn't serve as quite the buffer that many Rangers fans would have liked to have between the owner and the team. JD is probably much better suited in that role, although Slats probably had a lot more say, relatively speaking, in the hockey operations side of the business than Davidson will, um, although that's not to say he will not, but uh, that well, remains to be seen. And that being said, you know, D- James Dolan, the owner, it seems to be a lot less hands-on, handsy with the hockey team than he does with the basketball team. Oh, yes. He's a nutcase when it comes to the basketball team. He's yeah, only partially a nutcase when it comes to the hockey ask team. Ask Charles Oakley. All right, we're going to cut out here for just a second and hear from our sponsor. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, it's in a Fueling the American spirit. In any case, J.D. was introduced yesterday, uh, and so uh, hat tip to him. He came here from St. Louis, where he served as in a presidential-type role until 2012, I believe 2006 to 2012. They stabilized in St. Louis, and a lot of parts that uh, came in under J.D.'s watch are what we're going to see of these blues in, in this uh, Stanley Cup final which begins Monday night, Bruins, St. Louis Blues. You know, I think the Blues averaged 39 wins during J.D.'s tenure. Um, He got here in October 2012 at the head of a lockout there. um, And uh, that half season, they just narrowly missed the playoffs on a... uh, Was that the tiebreak year? Yeah, I believe so. In any case, um, 285, 209, and 46. Um, uh, Three of the best seasons in team history. They made the playoffs in four of his seven years... Uh, in Columbus. Winning record 6-7, I believe. Right. So uh, a, a measure of respect there. He, he was brought here for his cachet. Mm-hmm. He's a high, very recognizable figure and, and, and highly respected uh, in the league. That, to me, was uh, to be sort of the rubber chicken circuit face of the team, to take that part away from the owner was, in my estimation, why he was hired and paid well he was making two million in st louis so he did sign a new contract here a couple times i think i think he had four more left he had just signed a contract at the beginning of this past season so you presume and it was a four-year extension three three million dollars to to uh oversee the hockey operations department and and be the owner's public face of the team and that was probably worth three million plus to him at the end and uh he's probably walking into a five or six million dollar gig in new york you know you don't want to say this necessarily but and you would know this better than i would
Wood. I've only been here for two seasons, two years. Now. They're You've great been years, here. though. Of course they were. But, I mean, you were here right from the start, right? I was. And I, In fact, I, I first toured Nationwide Arena before it had walls. So, But they still check my ID when I try to get in the of place. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So there's, there's that, too. Uh, so it, when you look at this team, though, and you look at the history of this team. No respect, I'll tell you. And you look at, you look at the history of this team. I would check your ID, too, by the way. Yeah, I would, too. Um, but uh, when you look at the history of this team, when, when J.D. came in here, when John Davidson came in here, didn't he give this team almost immediately a sense of legitimacy? Like, you come in, and this is a guy who was respected throughout the entire league. And he had already, and a lot of it was because, obviously, he, he was a broadcaster before he went to St. Louis. But what he did in St. Louis is he helped turn them into kind of, not a force, but, I mean, they were, some, they were, they were definitely more organized, like you said, right. uh, at the end of his tenure in St. Louis than right. when he got there. And they had new ownership come in. Uh, Dave Checkett had hired him and, and subsequently sold the team. New owners came in and, and said, why is this $2 million right. on the books they were you could say that that decision there infinitely helped the blue jackets like because i think yes. he did a fantastic job here they didn't win the cup but from, look where they're at now as compared to when from he the took time over. he was bought out in st louis or let go or however that process worked to the time he got here was a span of nine days right it's a no-brainer yeah at that point for the blue jacket and he he served i mean he did his job well here yeah and he's a he's a good man besides and uh and he knows New York. I mean, um, he's been in the business for 45 years, most of it as a broadcaster, almost all that broadcasting career with the Rangers. So, uh, of course, a lot of national gigs overlapping. I mean, he's worked for everyone, man. Yep. Oh, he has. I think one of his biggest strengths, or maybe his arguably his biggest strength, is identifying talent in other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> like he hired. He made really good hires. I mean, look at. He didn't have to hire two or three general managers here. He he hired one guy, right. and that guy has done a great job. He's it, let him do his job. It's funny. I was talking to him last week, and it did come up that he had hired Doug Armstrong, the GM of of uh, who's still there, right? Of St. Louis, and and they're in the Cup final now. And I was thinking, well, you didn't hire Yarmo, and so he went back to Finland. Right. So he like, was mad. Yeah. He was not happy. He he thought he needed, he should have gotten that job. So he can claim both of them even though he, yeah. you can you can make the case that well was Doug Armstrong your first or second picker and you didn't hire Yarmo. You know what I mean? It's it's right. uh, it's 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 he had to pick one of them, right? Right. He got Yarmo in here and Brian, I want to bounce this one off you. It's it's sort of a local not legend, but it, it's it's sort of out there. There's a perception that JD was uh a calming buffer on Yarmo. And I guess to some extent that's true. From my view, Yarmo runs his Yarmo runs the operation. Yes. And that taking J D out of the mix doesn't impact things either way, in my in my opinion. Not necessarily, but I do think that sometimes it's good to have a buffer between the business side and the hockey ops guy who's running things for the hockey side. At this point in Yarmo's tenure here, I don't know how much of a buffer you need. That's true. He is a he seasoned is, general manager. Absolutely. And you know what? JD told me that yesterday as well when we were talking about Yarmo, and he said, you know, he was a guy who basically. Very good hands. <laughs> he was. Very good hands. He did. And I mean, you know how it is with, when John Davidson speaks. He speaks, uh, he talks a lot, you know, like, so I couldn't get everything in there. And, and I wanted to get to the part on Yarmo. Maybe I might go back and use it sometime this off season if I write about Yarmo. Very good hands. He's but, a great general. But just man. no, he was just talking about. Yeah, well, he did say that. But he was just talking about Yarmo in general. And he said the thing he 
proud of is not necessarily the fact that, that he's still the only European-born GM and he gave him this opportunity. That He goes, I'm not, it's nothing about that. He goes, I'm proud of the job he's done here. And then also he, he said this was a guy who just needed a chance to prove himself. And he has proved himself. And he didn't get it in St. Louis, but by gum, right. he got it here right. in Columbus, Ohio. But he's got a, he, you're right. He's got a ton of experience now, and that's exactly what uh, John Davidson said as well. He's, he's got the experience that he didn't have before. I like his boldness. Who, uh, J.D.? No. no. Or <laughs> Yarmo. But, well, both of them are kind of bold, but but I mean, like, yeah, absolutely, Yarmo for sure. Yarmo is aspirationally bold. Yes. It's not misguided. No. Um, he wants Blue Jackets. Not everything works well. That's where he is now. But not every, right. when, he, when he was going after Marion Gabrick, um, which you can argue was not a good move on his part. You can argue it well. But you could also understand why he did it. And uh, if if uh, they'd won a little more at that point, maybe even have re-upped with him or not. But right. y- you can understand during that playoff push why the, why he went after him and why he saw that as both a short and long-term possibility. He is not afraid to swing for the fences. He has proven that time after time after time. Hey, look at the names. Look at some of the names that he has brought into Columbus, Ohio. And some of them didn't want to be here, clearly. Uh, you know, like uh, Jeff Carter. Big name. Well, that brought was, him in. That Didn't w- want to be here. That was uh, that was house. Oh, it was that house? I'm that sorry. was house. Yeah. See, I'm getting my because I two years again. But again, but then he did. Yarmo move him, or it was that house in the move. I think house and also, also to get Jack Johnson. Yeah. Matter of fact, house and salvage jobs were much better than than in Yarmo's. That's pretty impressive. But yeah, Gabrick. How about uh, Brandon Sod at the time? The, the Sod for Panarin deal is brilliant. Then that then he follows it up with the Sod for Panarin deal. I mean, he's not afraid to go out and get Duchesne. He wasn't afraid to go get Matt. Well, Duchesne. you know, I look at like uh, and we're going to talk about Seth Jones in a second, but uh, the Ryan the Ryan Seth Johansson Jones. for Seth Jones deal straight up is. Uh, an old school hockey trade. Big boy they call that trade. a hockey trade. I know. I, whatever. That, <laughs> they love. They love referring to those. That is things. an old school. You don't see one-on-one trades no. with, with that caliber no. of player straight up for and one. And both teams anyway. benefited from that yes, deal. Did. Yes, they did. And if you're a Jackets fan, I would surmise, Brian. Uh, I don't want to speak for them, but uh, if I had to put myself in the, in, in the shoes of a, of a guy in Section 206 that has a partial plan and watches every game on TV, I would say. You know what? I do that Jones deal every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Look at it now. Look at That's that what deal I'm saying. now. You, you know? Look, look back now. This this guy is an absolute foundation of the team. Okay. Uh, that's the tip of the hat to JD. Best of luck to him in New York, and and he, uh, I think his job there for all he's going to work. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a it's a ceremonial job, uh, and uh, in large part, and and that uh, it's it's a. Uh, uh, it's it's good for that franchise. Good and good luck to JD, um, and and we'll we'll see the Rangers next year. And I'm sure we'll be talking to JD. Right now, we've we've uh, talked a lot about the Jackets' playoff run throughout their run. Any number of uh, Podfather produced videos and and uh, and on the scene candid fodders on the road, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Fantastic uh, job by the Podfather too. Oh, don't get us. He's he's not. Don't. Pump his tires. I'm pumping much. his tires. I haven't pumped his tires all seasons, and I'm doing it now. Uh, he's got the size of the coffee he's got over there. <laughs> um, but we, we've covered a lot of playoff territory. Um, I wanted to step back today, Brian, and, and just take a, a bird's eye view of the regular season. Um, the Jackets were 47, 31, and four. Uh, you look at their roster uh, throughout the season. You say that is a pretty good job. You look at it at the end, go and go. They shouldn't have been the last the last team added to the playoffs by that point. 
We won't get into the Vancouver summit. We've covered that territory. We'll probably come back to it. But 47-31-4, they won seven of their last eight games to be the last team added to the tournament. Um, They've kind of done that two years in a row, too, haven't they? Where where basically they've had – we weren't the last team in a year ago. But they, you know, but they were one of the last teams in. Like they didn't get, they didn't clinch. I think both last. I might be wrong on this, but I want to say the last two years didn't they clinch in the penultimate game? Yeah, but they weren't the uh, eighth seed this no. year. They were the sixteenth seed. They were the definitely the, 16th the last team seed. to go in. Yeah. Um, in any case, again, bird's eye view of the regular season. Uh, we should we should just glance back and and take note of of uh, what what were and it's I guess it's a testament to how far the team has come that some of this stuff kind of flew under the radar or was not a, a huge deal. For instance, I mean, Cam Atkinson tied Rick Nash's club record for goals. He had 41 goals and 69 points this year. And uh, that's uh, – he, he's he's only the second jacket to score 40. And, he's not even 30 yet, is he? Uh, no, he's not. I don't think so. 29, have to look that 28, up. 29, something like that? He's under a long-term contract, and he is a blue jacket. Um, and then we have – Panarin and Bobrovsky, um, and we don't have to get into the circumstances. Still Blue Jackets for now. Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> Technically so. But Panarin, two full seasons, um, and he uh, he set scoring records each season. So he is the uh, has the top two scoring seasons. And, in- and more importantly with him is that he did that both seasons without Patrick Kane on the other side. Yeah, there you go. He did have Cam Atkinson popping goals in there this season. He did have Pierre Luc Dubois. Well, then in the middle, but of he's it, an awesome player. How, how old so. is Pierre Luc Dubois? I mean, is, is twenty years or is he twenty? Yeah, he's twenty, going to be twenty-one. And and uh, so he he's he's drafted in 2016, third overall. He had sixty-one points and sixty-four pims in yeah. the middle of that top line, which is a hell of a season. He was plus sixteen. Yeah. He went through some struggles here and there, especially after du- uh, Duchesne came in. There was a little bit of, uh, you know, who's going to be the top center, who's not going to that, that whole thing. But he, they worked it out. And, uh, I mean, he, he, I know he didn't end the season the way he wanted to, but he's still a kid. He'll come back next year, and he'll he'll keep learning and keep developing. And he went to the World Championships. He's at the World Championships right now, playing very well uh, for Canada. The fastest jackets jacket to reach 100 points he did it in uh 100 his 143rd game Sherdov was 156 Woo, rick nash was 164 right i mean that that's something yeah that is something right um and, and then, people will immediately be like well he played two years with artemi panarin and that's partly true but at the same time he had to play well to be able to get up to that top line to play with panarin he also had to play 200 feet on that line yes yes Maybe the only guy who did. Well, I mean, I'm consistently, yeah. Yeah, Cam Cam has his moments uh, and, as well. And Panarin is mm-hmm. n- is not a bad offensive pl- a defensive player at no, all. No, they, those guys get underrated in that that aspect. But but Dubois, you're right, definitely two way guy. Um, and and Josh Anderson, uh, and again, you start. I think you mentioned it on this program more than a couple times that uh, the the word on him on the street, so to speak, is uh, he he just doesn't know how good he is yet. He doesn't under- right. fully understand it. No, and he's getting it though. He's he's starting to understand it. Like when you talk to him at the end of the year, he scored twenty seven goals. Three years in a team. row, he's he's ticked up his points. This good, this guy can score thirty goals. And listen, this is a guy who held. Well, he up. had twenty seven and forty seven points, sixty pims, and he was plus twenty five. That was one of the highest yep. 
highest plus minus uh, among oh, forwards was, in the league. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he, he's six, as a matter of fact. He is an impact player. There's a reason. You know what? I feel like there were several players the Bruins sort of targeted in that series physically to try and get them off their games. He was one of them. He was right among the top to try and get him off his game. Because if they if they didn't get him off his oh, game, they he, were, he was taking them off their game. He was the yeah. X factor, yeah. and they took the X factor out of the series. That's well put. Well put. Well, uh, you know, he had five game winners, three power play goals, and two shorties. Yeah. Among his, uh, he kills penalties. He plays points. now on the power. He now plays on the power play, which was something the great Tom Reed used to complain about all the time. Why is he not in the power play? When did um, Tom Reed get great? He's always been great. He's my favorite. He's one of my favorite guys on the road. I know he's the best. He's like my spirit animal. <laughs> I'm the same way. Weird. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky uh, struggles through to the point where he's he's uh, leaving the bench uh, in Tampa Bay and and. In February and getting suspended, but he was second in victories among goalkeepers this year. Tenders. He was was he first in shutouts? Uh, he had nine shutouts, uh, one shy of the club record. He had seven shutouts in his final season. I think he did lead the league in shutouts. I think he did. Um, and you know, when it came down to it, he warmed up before everyone else did. Uh, he was uh, eighteen and eight with a two point oh one and a nine thirty. A good down the stretch. So uh, that's pretty good. Last I checked, the last twenty six games, eighteen and eight, two oh one, nine thirty, and that's getting it done. Yeah, and and good good for him. Uh, outplayed um, in the second round of the playoffs, and and you'll have that, but not by much. He played well in the second. He yeah. just didn't. He I mean, Tukarask was at a different level. I mean, he was a, he's been a, and he's been at a different level than most of the goalies, almost all the goalies in the playoffs. So I far. don't think it got to the point in the playoffs where. You could use the now infamous line, I need a save there in game three, you need a no, save there in game five. I don't think so. Um, no, but, you know... W- he didn't outplay Tuka Rask, absolutely, what was you're right. Game but. game five was four to one, and game six was... It was. I don't even remember the score. Was. Game six was uh, three to nothing. Yeah, well... The, the, <laughs> the and old, they hit like a million posts. I always liked, and it's, it's a mean little line, but... Uh, it, it, just, you with a mean little no, line? It's no, it's not my line. It's it's Rich no. Ru- Rich Russo, a, a longtime Jackets fan, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, death taxes and Bob giving up four goals in a playoff game. Some things never change. <laughs> um, well, it might change here in about a month. Right, right. And that's just a little cheeky. Bob was unbelievable down the stretch. He had a very good playoffs, and he made himself a lot of money heading into the he Absolutely. He needed to. He and had to. I'm going to mention Jones again. He was uh, fourth in the NHL in, in, uh, in, in ice time, 25-49 a game. That is a hoss right there. He is. He's 24 years old. That guy, he would is... You, I, I, I throw this out all the time. Would you trade him for any other defenseman in the league? I, I wouldn't trade him for any... I might. I, the only other player I would even trade him for right now would be like a McDavid or someone like that. You would have to. But other than that... That wasn't the question. I know, but I'm, I'm taking it a step farther, and I'm saying that not only would I not trade him for any other defenseman in the league, I wouldn't trade him for almost any other player in the league short of maybe one or two guys. Well, if they tanked as they should have in 2015, they might have had McDavid. Instead, they wound up with Zach Wierenski with the eighth overall Not pick. bad, and, by the way. And uh, he, he had a solid season. It was a transitional season for him where the emphasis was placed on the defensive side of his game. Played every single game in the regular season, every single game in the playoffs. <clears throat> After playing through a shoulder injury and only missing four games the season before, Here's the other thing about Zach Wierenski. I just wrote about this a couple days ago, a few days ago, about his 
projected next contract. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if they'll get a he's one a, year he's deal. He's a restricted done. free agent. Folks. Is, this is the first time he's going to be a re- restricted free agent. He's coming off his entry level this deal. This is all important second contract. He has 38 goals in 100, and I think it's 127 points in the first three years. You go through the league and you start looking at, okay, in the last 10 years, what guys have even come close to those kind of offensive stats? We're sitting here saying he had a down year offensively because he's contrary. He hit 44 points this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, look, like, like one of the comps, one of the, one of the comps that comes up is his defense partner who we just talked about who we said we wouldn't trade for almost anybody yeah. in the league, Seth Jones. Seth Jones had 81 points after his first three years in the league. He was buried in Nashville, yeah. He was. Uh, he had 81 points. Now, the last three years, he and Wierenski have both had almost identical numbers. Like, I think the right. last three years, Seth Jones had something like 120 some odd points as well. But, I mean, just, just going on that comparison for the first three, you're talking Drew Doughty is, out, is up there. Drew Doughty's numbers for the first three years of his NHL career, almost identical to Zach Wierenski's offensively. Um, and actually, Zach has a higher plus minus than than Drew did, and Drew ended up getting a seven million dollar right. contract uh, for eight years or whatever. And he might too. I mean, he might. Zach Wierenski might too. And, and it, you know what? If it goes that high, he's worth it. Yes, I agree. He's worth it. And you know, he. I mean, you see him take a puck in the face and, oh. in a playoff game and put yep. a mask on and <laughs> come right back up there. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What do you say? His balls are bigger than the the, the, the building. building. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger than the building. That wasn't. A, don't don't write in. That was that wasn't uh, either one of us that said that. That was that was uh, John Tortorella who said that. Coach John. Tortorella. Not shocking. So uh, you know we should also uh, mention that Bjorkstrand kind of quietly had thirty six points in seventy seven games. He um, really was on fire down the stretch too. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he scored in every game down the stretch. I want. I have to go back and look at how many goals of those. How many did he finish with? Twenty three. He had 23 goals and 36 points in 77 games. I think he had added something like 10 or 11 goals in like the last month of the season. It was incredible. He, he was scoring like every other game. He had a goal scoring streak going. Uh, that was, I mean, that stretch to me, and it, I mean, you needed to see it because you kept hearing how much of a, a goal scorer he was, you know, in his career previously at lower levels, but you hadn't really seen it consistently here. You've seen the good shot, but that month or so, I mean, you saw it come out, and it was like, okay, this guy can be, this guy can be a perennial twenty to thirty goal scorer in this league if he just keeps playing that way consistently. Nine goals in his last eleven games. Yeah, that's insane. That's a that's a huge. That's incredible. He had two in that big win against Montreal. If yes. you recall. Yep. that was a that was a very critical. With victory. him, it's always been about consistency at the NHL level. He's young. If he figures it out consistently, that's. I mean, think about that. You're bringing Anderson. The guys we just mentioned, Anderson, Wierenski, Bjorkstrand. They're going to be okay. Well, this is this is a team, and now some of these guys they're losing him. But uh, you know, this is a team with uh, what six. 25 plus goal scorers. Yeah, yeah. And six 25 plus goal scorers and four with 60 plus points. You now you know. could lose two of the three of those guys of those 25 goal scorers because aren't three of them uh, Panarin, Duchesne, and Dzingel? That's correct. And and we'll see what happens. But they got They can be replaced. They have to be. Just real quickly, yeah. off seasons for next week and the sure. week after. But uh, what what is there any any word on the street, Brian? Uh, Regarding, we know what's going on with Brett and Bob, but Duchesne and Dzingel. Word on the street, yeah, so to speak. 
I'm looking it's around. A, I'm looking over my face. shoulders to make sure no one's. What are you hearing? Are, what am I hearing? Uh, you insider, you Brian yes. Hedger. What am I hearing? On what? Bob on, and Brad and on Duchesne and, and Dezingle. Nothing. Yeah. Yet. He's but. not the best in the business for nothing, folks. <laughs> um, but this will be a uh, a big off season, um, and now it's in it's fully in Yarmo's hands. And I think I think if you want to tilt your head a little. You can have some optimism as a Jackets fan, and never mind all these guys. He says they're great; they're coming up. Um, he he said John Davidson with or uh, Jonathan Davidson. Jonathan Davidson, was, Swedish prospect, not uh, president of hockey well, operations coming out for of the break, Rangers. Coming out of breakdown last year, he said uh, Davidson was was a potential uh, uh, was going to help them solve their their depth problems at center and uh, of course, uh, wing or, or wing. Yeah. But anyway, he's traded. Yep. But who did he get traded for? I know, but Duchesne could be gone too. But yeah. the, so the he did thing, end up helping his center. Well, the thing is, we we Ultimately. never saw him this year. No, I uh, saw him in training camp. Then, saw him throughout. He, he guy can skate uh, like unbelievably. Right. But whatever. Well, the point is, we're hearing a lot about Gavrikov and Tessier and uh, me. I'm taking a wait and see. At Don't least, get into it. Don't get started. No, but at least you saw something from Gavrikov and Tessier. Very small window, of course, obviously. But I thought they impressed in their time there. Tessier was way overmatched in the second round. Yes, like, against, yes, the light, against the light, you don't you know, just you don't just toss he, that out, dude. No, but you also don't toss out the first round. He played well against the Lightning. Um, the guy who's going to be the big question mark that they keep talking about is Bemstrom, because they they keep talking like what well, Bemstrom could be a thirty goal scorer. Maybe he can be. I'll give him three years. Maybe there you go. But who knows? Maybe he. Can, this is hockey. Maybe he comes in next year and just lights it up. You know, I'd bet against that, but maybe he does. It, it would. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Okay. But what I was getting at at the start before you so rudely <laughs> began I interjecting. I do that a lot, especially uh, when I'm drinking coffee. There is some reason to be optimistic. Uh, and it's not even a, a forced jumper. Um, because if you think back to last year when they're talking up Jonathan Davidson, um, there, Yarma was in an awful spot with his two biggest free agents. Um uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky. They they weren't negotiating or negotiations were breaking down, and they weren't. Gonna, they knew at this point last year for sure that that uh, Panarin was gone, and uh, by the end of uh, the summer they knew Bobrovsky would be gone too. And so that was a terrible situation for the GM. What do you do? We know what he did eventually. He kept him and went for it. Yeah. But this year his hands aren't tied to that extent. Not, not even, at all. Not even close. Um, now. He has a problem in that. What does he have? Four draft picks. He no. He has two draft picks in this draft. That's what I mean. It's like he has two right now, and he's at like. There's a bunch of different fronts that that for this offseason. He's, he's going to get more picks. We'll see how he does it, but he right. will because mm-hmm. that's what that's what he does. Sure. And the nice thing for him uh, and the Blue Jackets is that those don't always. At least they've proven anyway in their time here. Those don't always have to be high round draft picks for them to get players who are pretty good. Right. They just need draft picks. They, they'll be stocking their system. Sure. It will it will happen. Yeah. But beyond that, they also have and they're not going to go out. They can't go out and get Artemi Panarin on the open market. But they can be smart with how they spend their money and they're in a market now that has much more desirability if you're a free agent than it did just last year or even the year before. I mean, uh, one of the reasons Ian Cole left the scuttlebutt was was because he knew that Panarin would eventually be leaving, and he went. And on. Duchesne might be the same. And there was a contract potentially. There was there was I mean they couldn't work out a deal either. Right. But 
he has the money to play the market, and I think he has the assets not only to get picks, picks to, but to maybe swing an important deal at the draft. Sure. I, I think there's a lot of creative uh, solutions to be identified and pursued, and uh, if we know anything about Yarmo to this point, he's nothing if not creative, uh, bold in an aspirational sense, and unafraid to do what he thinks is necessary. Well, your uh, sign-and-trade stuff might actually be a potential... There thing that could, that could happen this year, and that's—I don't think that's happened under the CBA yet. I don't, I don't think. So. No, I don't think it would be a first. And wouldn't that put it like? Wouldn't that fit Yarmo to be like the first GM to to really come up with some sign and trades that work benefit both ways? I think it would fit his his mo pretty well. It could it could happen. Yeah, um, that's been talked about. So uh, getting back to the point is is uh, I'm not I don't see all this doom. Even if if they all leave, I don't know? either. I think a lot of people from the outside definitely look at it and like you know gloom and doom. It's going to take them three years to rebuild, you know. Especially if they go with all these young guys. Here's the thing: uh, they also, I think, this is getting glossed over quite a bit. Is the, all the money that they potentially could have in free agency uh, to go out and get guys? And that's what I, I mean. I do think it's important that they went on this run because. Nationally, there were a couple of those games were nationally televised games, or well, almost all of them were right, either on NBCSN or whatever in the playoffs. So that atmosphere that was so electric, and 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 people saw that this was like, wow, it's not a dead market at all. Like this is awesome. Like you know, who wouldn't want to go play for a team where they're losing three to nothing, and the crowd knows the game's over, and they're still like, you know, CBJ, CBJ, like trying to get the guys up. I thought that was pretty cool, and I know that's cheesy and hokey and all that crap. No, it's a but, good town to win it. It's a good sports town, and and uh, I think that was shown and proven. I mean, J- JD is going to miss you know the the high end country clubs and the Cameron Mitchell restaurants. But that's not what makes Columbus great. No, and he said and, that. And, and a the great, people. great city to, to, to live in. It just is. It is. Absolutely. And, and, and so you combine that with uh, this now burgeoning understanding, as many of us suspected for 20 years, that this is a really good place to yep. win hockey games. Uh, it it uh, This city rallied around the team, and that was always there, and it was sort of unleashed this spring. Well, and I, and I, I looked really quickly um, at some of the – the pending UFAs that are out there if they don't re-sign with their teams. There are obviously no other Panarins. There are no other Bobrovskis out there, that kind of thing. But their their intent on on the goaltending coming from within, I'm pretty sure on that one. But there is a Jeff Skinner out there yeah. and he had a ton of goals and he can skate like the wind. I yes. mean, he's he's pretty awesome. If you could get a guy like that to come in, Jason Spezza, he's going to be looking for a home. I know he didn't play great this year. He didn't have great numbers, but I did talk to a scout the other day and said, what do you think about Spezza? And he goes, I, I liked him actually. Uh, as far as I don't think he liked him at $7.5 million, which is what he was his cap hit was the, this past year. But uh, he does, I don't think he's ready to be done playing yet. You, you can fit a team together this summer. You you absolutely There's can. a lot of doors to open. A good team. A lot team. of tires yeah. to kick. Yep. And what, How many more trite phrases can I come up with, Patrick? And lastly, Brian, um, I, I wanted to – we are on the eve of the Stanley Cup Finals. 
begins Memorial Night, the 27th here, Monday. Memorial Day night, I guess you'd say. Um, so you go from the Indy 500 and transit into the... Uh, the Cup Final. The Cup Final. Um, Indy 500 is this weekend, right? Uh, right. Well, it's always Memorial Day yeah, weekend. And yeah. then, then right into the Memorial Tournament next yep. week here in Columbus. Tiger Woods, by the way, has committed today. Ooh. Um, and uh, won't see PGA champion Brooks Kepka probably. I don't think he's coming. All right, we're going to cut out here for just a second and hear from our sponsor. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Make It Count Rewards for Marathon. Save on gas, airfare, hotels, or support the environment. It's easy to sign up. Text JOIN to 40244 or go to makeitcount.com. Sign up today. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Before any final, I, I, I make some phone calls, or any series, really, even uh, jacket series, whatever. Well, always kind of funny. And uh, two guys that I call fairly regularly this time of year, spring as it heads into summer, are, are John Buchigras, who who's uh, who's uh, uh, has Ohio ties and and uh, has been around here for a long time. Always pops by the building when he's in town, um, and is a big hockey guy, as everyone knows. Uh, and uh, we we didn't this series we didn't get into. I did talk to him before the Bruins Jackets series. We didn't get into finals predictions. But he did say that, uh, uh, and this is not not a shock or anything, but um, ESPN will probably be right in there bidding. The the NBC contract has two more years, so this is going to start in earnest probably this time next year about about the next phase of, of what NHL national programming will look like and who will have it. Right. And uh, uh, given ESPN Plus, which was launched and is doing pretty well just based on like MMA and boxing, uh ESPN will probably see the NHL as as content for that as well as their national programming uh, as a subscriber boost. Uh, is uh, the NHL going to be on the Ocho? ESPN 8? The Ocho. The Ocho. <laughs> yeah. Dodgeball and then Ducks Kings. I'm going to be putting that in my Blue Jackets preview. It's going to be on the Ocho. You're, you're missing, and, and as we usually do, we're missing the younger crowd with such references. That's right. Uh, but anyway, that is interesting. Um uh, so they'll be in there. Pitch- ESPN will be in there pitching for uh, not a surprise for for the N- next NHL contract. I'd be shocked if that happened, only because I think the NHL and Gary Bettman. I think they love the setup that they have right now, where they basically they call the shots for the most part when it comes to NBCSN and NBC and all that. Well, stuff. when's the CBA up? That's well, it could be it could be it could be as soon as this. After this next season, if they opt out, I think that's a moving part in this. In it this, is in this picture. Absolutely, there's a CBA, and then there's uh, given the ratings that that NBC has drawn. This this thing is also worth more. The rights sure. are, are worth a lot more. You're talking an uptick in in uh, in in what it's going to cost to to buy these rights. They've so. done a great job of marketing. I think they've done a good job, a great job of marketing the sport right. and, and getting more people active, active and in in. Interested in the sport? I don't. I don't disagree. I can do without Milbury, but I, I don't disagree with you. Patrick Sharp's going to replace. Oh, him. he's terrific! Isn't he good? He's terrific. We can get him on the podcast. He's one of my guys. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get him get on him the on. podcast. Didn't you? You're the one that pushed him into broadcasting, were you? I don't know if I pushed him in, but I definitely told him several times that he he would be good in that role, and, and he and he is very good in that role. And, and he looked at you and said, "You should podcast or radio, right?" <laughs> totally. Yeah. He's like, "You should go to Columbus." Yeah, and, and, and cover the Blue Jackets. Yeah, Get out of my face. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you're not photographed. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I talked to Daryl Ray, and I, I think we'll kind of leave the finals on that note. Daryl Ray, the longtime color analyst for the Dallas Stars, he's cut back on his national stuff. Matter of fact, he doesn't do any at all, but he's, he's one of my favorite color men, and uh, I've known him a long time. Uh, but anyway, I threw it at him. Hey, what do you think of the finals? And, of course, he just saw a seven-game series. Stars Blues yeah, in the Western Conference semifinal. And a lot of us here, I guess, in the Eastern bubble are saying, oh, the Bruins are going to wipe the floor with this team. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, well, I said Bruins in five. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's, I'm going Bruins in six. I, I pick, I, we picked our horses, we'll ride them. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, my opinion, I think the Bruins are just too deep and too tough. And I don't see Jordan Bennington out playing Tuka Rask by Still any... Still, don't, I don't like the layoff. Like, well, the thing is, and, and I and I got you in the paper on this is, is uh, I, I it's, I in, it's on you, the record. It's on the record. Yes, <laughs> I said here's the way you see it. The layoff could hurt Rask. And I'm like, I said, well, Hedge, you're a very smart man, <laughs> but Bennington has five days off. He's not getting any sharper. And that's that's a times. good point. That's fair. It's a mitigating factor to your theory. In any case, um, this is what Daryl Ray said. The Blues have two things going against them. One, a more taxing path. And two, an opponent with as much depth as, as they have. That's the bigger issue, I think. And uh, I also think, well, I think the Bruins are a better team, deeper, stronger, more talented. The second thing that Razor said was, um, but the Blues also have a deep belief, a way of making top lines impotent, and a group on defense that dominates games, parentheses, and that goalie makes big saves at the right time should be interesting Two heavy, talented teams. Yes, I think it's going to be a great series. Actually, I don't. I think the Bruins are going to win, but I think it's going to be really an exciting series. I mean, it's it could be two to one, but it's going to be physical. It's going to be close. You know, I, I think it's going to be a close series. I think it's. Going, I think the Bruins are going to win because of that depth. Because I do like Tuukka Rask just a tick better. I mean, Jordan Bennington's been awesome though. What's the over under on controversial calls at the side? Jordan game? Bennington. I'm sorry, Jordan. Oh. Pfft. Like per game, <laughs> <laughs> right? How many pucks per are you going to see in the how net? That the refs are going to miss. <laughs> how are they miss? I mean, I the know hand the, pass. I know the game is going fast, but how are all four guys missing these right. things? But what's the over under on controversial calls? I'm saying three is the over under on controversial calls yeah. uh, for the series. I'm going to take, and I'm saying big controversy, Brett Hull in the crease type stuff. I'm going to go the under on that. Okay, all right. But uh, can I, I completely knocked me off what I was going to say. I don't even remember. Well, what that's it is. probably a good thing. It's probably so a good thing. We should wrap on that. Wrap it up for Patrick Flaherty at the Podfather. Oh, too. I know what it is. But we we oh, do have to mention. Shoot. Look, Go ahead. You have Go to ahead. mention it. There is still a, con- a Columbus connection. Okay. Who could win the Stanley Cup? Sean Corrali. Right. There's that. I mean, the, cu- the Cup could technically be coming back to Columbus if the Bruins win. He played for the AAA Ohio Junior. Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets. The AAA Blue Jackets and Ed Ginger uh, run, right. runs that program. I just think that'd be awesome. They have a number of guys who are in the NHL right now. It's kind of like a, a matter of time. There's that right? part of that. Technically, those are former Jackets. Technically. Technically. In soccer, they'd claim them sure. uh, uh, as development guys. Absolutely. But, and yet on top of it, and I crunched these numbers a number of times in a previous decade, but it seems every year a former Jacket is is, uh, is spending a day with the cop. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. like every yeah. year. 
Well, is there other, are there former jackets? Oh, uh, there probably are. We're not going to look into it now. We're going to wrap yeah. it up here while you still have some lawn left to mow. For Patrick Flaherty at the Podfather 2. For Brian Hedger at Brian Hedger, our wonderful hockey writer who's got a face for radio. I'm at Michael A. Race 1. Thanks for joining us. And Patrick, blow us out of here. This episode of Cannon Fodder has been brought to you by Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Cannon Fodder is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Cannon Fodder, your Columbus Blue Jackets podcast, is made possible by Marathon, fueling the American spirit.